on this episode of Why Watch That. Some secret children are out there and they need to collect. Now, if this gets out, this might be a problem. (laughs) This ain't the color of water. (laughs) So if you don't... (laughs) If you know the color of water, you don't know the good Lord bird. It is not anywhere near the color of water. True, true, true. <laughs> listen, listen. Well, look, we. I, look, I just want to make no it clear. No one wants to be canceled with eating a hawk playing a black dude. Okay, so <laughs> that is not going to happen. I'm entertained by that kind of stuff. The magic and just, you know, crazy characters and people going for it. This is more soap operatic than Filthy Rich. Okay. <laughs> so, and at the end, you are disgusted. You don't even know what you want to see next. Season two is coming. Oh my goodness. Do I even want to watch it? Help me, somebody. Oh. Do you have answers to anything at the end of season one? No. Why watch that as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head to head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer? Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome, Welcome to, to Why Watch, Watch That. This episode of Why Watch That is supported by Entrepreneur Meal Plan. It helps leaders and professionals feed their bodies and businesses well. You know, Critic, I got Mm. a chance to attend a wonderful event by EMP here Uh in Los Angeles. And it was so amazing because Brandy Cochran was able to gather people from all sorts of walks of life. We were able to gather together, have real talk and some real good food too. Mm -hmm. It was a hit. It's food for the soul and the body, which is so hard to find. So if you want to learn more about Entrepreneur Meal Plan, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, go to entrepreneurmealplan.com. The Why Watch That Talk. Well, listeners, we have a TV talk for you. (laughs) And we got a little bit of everything a dash of this a dash of that and a sprinkle of this we are definitely officially waving the flag fall tv is back fall tv is back it is coming at you from interesting places and usual places so we'll dip into some of that as well as we're saying ta-ta to a couple of shows for the season for the season yeah. So let's dive right in and start with the series premiere of Fox's newest show, Filthy Rich. Now, anytime you have the words "filthy rich," I can I can smell it, and you've got Kim Cattrall in it. Yeah, I can. It's gonna be drama, hair pulling, snarky, snippy remarks, and filthy rich is something that is coming to us. You know from the network that loves its drama. Mm. Yeah. Uh, You know, (laughs) Empire. Now. Exactly. That's uh, what I was alluding to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, this is about uh, a family of televangelists, essentially. And Kim Cattrall plays Margaret. She's a host. She's the co-founder of the Sunshine Network, they call it. And they're looking to really expand and take over even more. 
The patriarch of the family is played by Gerald McCraney. Yes. Oh, we love him. We love him. And they have a son and a daughter. The son thinks he's going to, you know, take over. The daughter is a clothing designer and she wants them to hawk her stuff. You know, will they do that? So what happens is the father is on a plane. It goes missing. They think he's dead. Now, we don't see him dead. And if you've watched enough TV, you know what that means. Okay. So they think he's dead. Who's going to take over? He's showing up. Right, yeah. (laughs) Who's going to take over? Now, what they find out is, because he's dead, you know, we get into the will and all of that. Well, in this will, he has left money to his other children. Not the ones he had. What? Yep. Not the ones he had with Kim Cattrall's character. Some secret Uh children are out there and they need to collect. Now, if this gets out, this might be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) So how does this work? And who's blackmailing whom? And all of this stuff starts to happen, okay? So it's just a big mess. And then, you know, the son of Kim Cattrall and Gerald McCraney's characters, you know, he's married to uh, the sister of another televangelist that's trying to take over. So what's that going to be? You know, it's a soap opera. Oh, boy. Yep. But is it a good one? Is the question. I don't know. Now, good primetime soaps, I think of revenge, where they know what they're in. They know that they're doing trash. So let's have fun and really bring it. Let's go all the way. Empire in the first season. Let's do it. Okay. And we can go into the past with other things, you know, Dynasty and all that other stuff. This show doesn't understand that it's a soap opera. I don't know what they're doing. Like, you've got to go further. They have the storylines, but no one is doing a wink. No one's really enjoying it. I, it's confusing. It's no fun. No. It's no fun. No. So it was it was strange to watch. It was weak tea from them. We'll see, or maybe somebody else will, because I'm done. I, I went into the second episode. That was about enough. Because they need to pick everything up. You have got to just throw it down and enjoy yourselves. That's not what happens in the early offing. Who knows what will happen after that? Well, there's the tea on that. Moving on to Apple TV Plus, they're coming at us with another show, uh, Taran. Now, I don't know much about this, but all I know is it has to do with some computer hacking (laughs) and assassin, or I don't know what, agents hacking and stuff. Yeah. We'll have to find out what's going on here with Taran. Yes. Um, so this is about Tehran. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's in Iran, uh, Tehran, as you're saying. Um, and it's about an Israeli spy who has to go to Tehran to uh, essentially make sure that this attack goes through from Israel against Iran. Okay. Now she has to do this undercover. Why is she the one going over there? How is she able to do this undercover? What's going on in her backstory? Who does she know in Iran? All of that stuff comes to the fore. Also, are there some people who are innocent bystanders that may get in the way? There is this flight that has to occur. There's this flight, it's going to India, but all of a sudden it makes a stop somewhere, an emergency stop. Who's on the plane? You'll see that in the first episode. Whoever's on the plane, when this emergency stop comes up, they are not comfortable. And they may, in effect, throw this whole operation into a tizzy. 
Because the whole point is, it has to be undercover. It has to be secret from the Iranians. Will it stay that way? And there is someone in Iran who's one of their top officials that deals with the spy stuff, who's very smart, and he's very suspicious of everything. And he's played by Sean Tube, who if you see him, you know who he is. He's He was in the Kite Runner movie, he was in Homeland, and so on. Now, there is someone on the ground in Iran who is there to help this Israeli spy. He is Iranian, and he's played by Navid Nagaban, uh, uh, Nagaban I should say, who was in Homeland and 24. He was in Legion. Okay, so you've seen him before as well. And of course, we have the Mossad in Israel. They're trying to see what's going on there. But what happens if you're the spy and you don't feel safe? Who do you go to? What if your own handlers you can't trust? Who do you go to? What does that lead to? So it's this big cat and mouse game. Who's chasing whom? Who's getting away from whom? Who is actually carrying out the mission? Is it going to be successful? And so on. So if you like Homeland and 24 and things like that, if you like spy TV, then this will work. Is it superlative? I wouldn't call it that. It is professional. Uh, Now, this is dealing with Israel and Iran and all of that. So whatever you think about that, you have to take that into account when watching the show. We don't get into that here. But as the show itself, it is professional. I'm willing to watch it. I like spy stories. So it works. Does it hit the heights of a homeland? No. But again, it does what it needs to do. You will be interested and it'll it'll just scratch that itch if you are having it right now. Is it worth, you know, if you don't have Apple TV Plus yet, I know it's like $4.99 or it's kind of cheap. Is it worth at least a month's worth of um, subscription? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say probably, especially since um, there are so many other Apple TV Plus shows. So we'll talk about mm. another one a little later in this episode. Uh, because, you know, Apple TV Plus, I, I think a lot of people haven't gotten into it yet, but I think they'll find that a lot of their shows are entertaining. That's the thing. Mm. So would I pay $5 for one month of Apple TV Plus? Yeah, I would. Oh, that's good. Great advice. Moving on to another streaming that you may already have and you don't know it. I can't tell you how many people have no idea that if they are prime members, they have a slew of, I'm not going to say free content because you're paying for it, but just untapped content and coming to us from prime video is utopia. Mm. Mm, mm. Now to me, prime has been making some interesting choices lately and they're tapping into Hollywood's talent. Um, namely Jillian Flynn, who brought us gone girl. She wrote the novel. She, she's the showrunner for the show. John Cusack is in it. I mean, come on. Uh, Rain Wilson critic is showing up. Mm-hmm. You got Cam, you know, uh, Cameron um, Manham showing up as well. Okay, I'm curious. Utopia, Amazon, I'm already paying for Amazon Prime. Is this something that I should take a look at? Well, are we? Yes, exactly. Well, to start, the premise is it might be a bit much for people because. Uh, what Utopia is, it's two graphic novels, maybe two series of graphic novels, whatever it is. Um, the first one was Dystopia. And there are people who know about this underground comic 
and they have found certain secrets from its pages. The secrets are this. They predict epidemics and pandemics. Yeah. Oh, boy. So well, they they have headed. seen this dystopia and go, oh, my goodness, look at all of these different viruses that it has predicted. So Utopia is this missing manuscript that's found. And then the people who find it don't really know what they have. So they set up a whole bidding war. They have people come in and bid, you know, without knowing who outbid them, who's going to outbid them, that kind of thing to get the highest bidder and then to sell Utopia. They don't really know what they have on their hands. So these people who know about dystopia want utopia, the follow-up, to see what else it's going to predict. And at the moment, there is a little disease that's out there. It's very mild that's happening. No one's really paying attention to it. Is it connected to utopia? Now, there are a group of people who've been brought together by dystopia who want to get this because they're the ones who believe that this predicts real pandemics. There are some people who don't really believe that and so on and so forth. But what no one knows is there is this organization that's out there to stop people from knowing what's in this comic book series. And they will kill mm. to prevent. So everyone who's bidding and trying to sell Utopia is in danger. And there is a main character in the book series who might be real. Now, what does that mean? Oh. What is she up to? What's her perspective on it? Does she want it to get out? Does she want to stop people? Is she against these people, this organization that's trying to stop it? Whatever's going on, just know it is brutal. So, should you watch this? Now, again, it's about a pandemic. Okay? <laughs> right on the nose. So, that's something, even for me watching, I was kind of like, mm, okay. So, you have to overcome that. Um, it wasn't bad. I will say that. However, it wasn't tight enough and it wasn't compelling enough. I didn't really care. Like them in danger, I didn't feel the danger. I was kind of like, okay, whatever. Like, and they kill people, like brutally. And I was just like, mm. oh. you know, I made huh. it into the second episode and I was like, eh, I don't really need to go further with you because I can't, I don't buy it. Like I don't buy the badness of the people. I don't really take them seriously. So it wasn't, it wasn't just sharp enough for me to go there. Now this is based on a British series uh, from a few years ago. And supposedly that was really brutal, really brutal. Mm. And I think maybe oh. taming it actually did it a disservice. So like uh, the ref is saying, you can check this out if you have Prime. Just go to Amazon Prime Video and see for yourselves if you're interested in this. Um, again, not bad, but but it wasn't compelling enough for me. Well, let's go on to something else that I particularly was excited about. I'm a huge fan of James McBride. He is the um, New York Times bestseller. I mean, just accolade after accolade of, and one of my favorite books from him is called The Color of Water, mm -hmm. which is a beautiful memoir and nod to his mother and to his life. I'm not going to ruin that. Now, all that to say, he doesn't just write, you know, nonfiction material. He also writes fiction. And one of those books, which again, got the biggest accolades, is called The Good Lord Bird. Mm. Mm. Showtime has brought it to the average viewer and it's a mini series. And you will find that Ethan Hawke is not only the star of The Good Lord Bird, not only a writer, but he's also a showrunner for it. 
um, pretty much this is his baby, along with some amazing actors that you will highlight uh, coming to us. And again, this is from Showtime, who brings us pretty solid miniseries, you know, uh, the one with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Patrick something. Melrose. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Melrose, that's right. So they're in and out. The question is, is the in and out worth that journey? And on top of that, this is Showtime. You've got to pay extra for it. But if there's a special trial out there, do you, you know, while you're watching Billions, no wait, Billions is HBO. I don't know what they have. Billions uh, is Showtime. Does right. Showtime have, mm-hmm. okay, Showtime, there you go. When you're dipping into Billions, do you also dip in to see mm-hmm. The Good Lord Bird? How do right. we make this trial or payment for the month? Get the bang out of it. Right, yeah. They also have Shameless on Showtime. Um, and, and, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, another recent miniseries, The Comey Rule, which I'm not at, uh, reviewing because I just couldn't watch it. So, The Good Lord Bird. Now, Ref, years ago when we first met, you told me to read The Color of Water. I read it. I did. Wonderful from Mr. McBride. This ain't The Color of Water. (laughs) (laughs) So, if you don't, (laughs) if you know The Color of Water, you don't know The Good Lord Bird, it is not anywhere near The Color of Water. True, true, true. (laughs) (laughs) Now, (laughs) this is uh, Ethan Hark, like you said, multi hyphenate here. But on screen, he's starring as John Brown, okay, the abolitionist. And John Brown, from God, has a mission to free the slaves. He's in Kansas, and he'll do it by himself if he needs to. So in the opening, and he's we white. See, he, well, yes, it's Ethan Hawke. So we see. No, from, well, you know, listen, <laughs> listen. Well, look, we. Well, I just want to make no it clear. one wants to be canceled. <laughs> Ethan Hawke playing a black dude. Okay. So, <laughs> That is not going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah, so, I, listen, these days you got to be clear. You got to be clear. If that happened, we would not review it because we would get canceled. Now, <laughs> <laughs> Ethan Hawke, we see in the opening scene, he's getting his hair cut and it's a black guy. Now, keep in mind, this is like 1858. So it's right before, not too long before the Civil War breaks out. So he's sitting there, black dude is cutting, give him a shave. His son is there. And of course it turns into a problem with some of the other white people in there. And John Brown, they recognize him. (laughs) Now, John Brown has God on his side. You point a gun at him and God will take care of you. Now this altercation ensues. Maybe you can imagine what happens, maybe not. But of course, John Brown comes out of there along with a young character played by Joshua Caleb Johnson, who his name is an onion, but they call him onion because during this altercation, John hears the wrong name. He thinks that onion is a girl. Now, Uh-oh. onion is a slave. So onion is not going to say, hey, oh, no, actually, I'm a guy because this is a white guy. So, and he even does the narration of this whole show. So you hear from his perspective, he's like, look, um, slaves stay alive longer when they don't go up against white people. So whatever. They put this boy in a dress, all of this other stuff. And you'll see how he interacts with other slaves. He's like, look, I'm a, I'm a boy. Okay, don't get it twisted. So there's this whole thing going on there. 
And across time, Onion is now with them for a particular reason. You'll find out why early on in episode one. So he's now with John Brown and his band of people, including his sons, and they're going across Kansas causing problems. Now, of course, they get into shootouts. And of course, there are people who might go into the wrong hands. So they have to rescue them. What happens with that? Also, does Onion really want to be with them? Can Onion escape from them? Escape to where? Escape how? Whatever happens, we know that Onion will have to constantly keep coming back to John Brown. And in the very opening, Onion sets it up for us for John Brown in regard to how Black people viewed him. Some of them liked him, and some of them were like, we don't need you as our savior. So even that part, because if you're a Black person, especially you're going, wait a minute, is this a white savior thing? Well, it's written by a Black guy, the book was, and then you have that. So it's kind of like, okay, and Albert Hughes is directing the pilot, so all of that is there. So let me just go into the review. This is crazy. Okay, just get that straight. It brought to mind, Ref, Quentin Tarantino's work. Um, it brought to mind the Coen brothers' work. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. In this way, though, here's the thing. This is a bit too much of a mess for me in the first episode. Meaning this, if Quentin Tarantino were to do this and he was on his game, Quentin understands how to make a mess palatable by punctuating. He'll give you commas and periods and exclamation points and question marks. There's always a snap to it, to the moments. This is just a bunch of stuff happening. I needed more moments that go. Now, if you think of it from the Coen brothers perspective, if they weren't going to do it, we're going to do it. They would, they would extract more comedy out of it. This is comedic. But there wasn't enough extracted. The opening, I thought, was the yeah, best. Yeah, the, the book is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, the book is funny. And you can tell, because the opening, the whole attitude of it, I kind of laughed with Onion's first uh, uh, voiceover. But then it was just too much of a mess. It wasn't enough extracted. So we'll have to see as it progresses if things change. I think if you like the Coens and Quentin Tarantino, even their lesser work, then this will probably work for you. It's not bad. It's just for me, if I'm going to be in a mess, I need either more comedy or more snap. That's not present in the pilot. We'll see if they get there later on. Well, it's only eight episodes. It's not a huge commitment. But if you don't want to pay over time for showtime, maybe listen to the critics final response when we're able to wrap it up and see if it's worth, you know, yeah. taking out a little bit of cash. <laughs> um, let's move on. Season premieres. We've got some TV shows that are coming back to us. Yay. Manhunt Deadly Games, which is now on CBS. Hmm. Hmm. The um, first one, Manhunt Unabomber. That one, I remember you talking about that, and and you quite liked it. It was an unexpected like from you. I I, I don't remember you going wild about it, but mm-hmm. it definitely had its its moment of entertainment, and you know, for some education. Yeah. Well, this is coming to us. It's an anthology, so we're just assuming they're going to do manhunt, blah 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 on throughout tackling these different issues and specific moments um and you got a chance to check some of this out yes um so each season is about a true case a true serial killer um and this time it's the whole richard jewel thing oh. so yeah so Do we when need you need it well 
And, <laughs> and that's the thing. Now, keep in mind, this originally aired in February uh, via Spectrum's on-demand platform because it went from Discovery to Spectrum. They picked it up. They'll have a third season. Who knows what that'll be about. CBS now has it because of the pandemic going on. So they want to add that into their scheduling. They're adding the first season of Star Trek Discovery as well. So if you didn't have CBS All Access, you'll be able to- Oh, you to mean airing that. it? Mm-hmm, on CBS, oh, right. Oh, interesting. So, you know, we mm-hmm. have all of this scheduling, this shuffling going on. This is now coming to all of us via CBS, as you said. Uh, so we saw Richard Jewell. What about the show? Right? Uh, now, this time, Cameron Britton is playing Richard. And you see the same kinds of beats as the movie. So, but the difference is this. Now, if you don't know the Richard Jewell story, uh, this was the Olympics in Atlanta where there was a bomb that went off. Richard Jewell was blamed. We came to found, find out it wasn't really him. At first, he was deemed a hero because he was the one that said, hey, there's this suspicious backpack. We need to look into it, really corralling people who didn't want to do it in law enforcement go, going into looking at this. Um, so at first he was hailed as a hero. Then the FBI was like, hmm, maybe he's our guy. And we see in the show that maybe the Atlanta government was in on it as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, so interesting. we don't see like the movie, the lead up to him being in this position at, so far from what, what has been aired on CBS. We haven't gotten there yet. And I've seen the first two episodes. Uh, we do see his mother this time played by Judith Light. Okay. So we go from oh. Kathy Bates. <laughs> Kathy Bates yeah. to Judith Light. Okay. Um, and we see that kind of relationship as well. We see how Richard is really beset by the FBI. But what they do in the show that isn't as much uh, in the movie is when it comes to the bomb experts. Okay, so the fight between them and the FBI, because there's one expert in particular played by Arliss Howard, who was like, this is not the guy. I know bombs. No, the FBI has a bug up. You know what? So Mm -hmm. will the FBI listen or not? Right. What's going on with that? And as we move forward, they they do have uh, the reporter, Kathy Scruggs, this time played by Carla uh, Gugino. So she's playing her this time. What are her tactics to get this scoop? If you saw the movie, you really know, again, the structure of what's happening here. It's just in this case, I would say the main difference is this. So far, surprisingly, Ref, it feels shallower than the movie because you know a little Hmm. less than Richard. However, I do like the whole bomb expert part of it, which wasn't really in the movie. So Arliss's character, when he comes on, I'm really interested. He has a partner who's kind of like your crazy dude. But this guy knows his stuff. He's kind of like uh, Diane's husband in uh, The Good Fight. Kind of like him. Played by Gary Cole. Oh. So it's kind of that thing, and I liked it. Now, it being shallower than the movie doesn't mean I'm not interested in it. Like, I'm mildly interested. I kind of know what's happening. I think they're executing it professionally. I do like the cast, even in the face of the great cast from the movie. That's the hard part. Because it's like, oh my goodness, we have this cast and that cast. It's hard to delete the movie's cast out of my head. But because of those obstacles, I would say that they're doing a pretty good job. I do want more depth. We'll see if we get there overall. But as is, I think it's fine. And again, I am cool with the bomb storyline, especially. 
Well, let's move on to another return based off of a movie. I mean, come on. Well, it's not based off a movie. It's just the essence of the feel of it. Fargo is back. Mm. Mm. Fargo is back on FX, which you can catch the episode the next day on Hulu. So, you know, you watch it on FX next day. You've got it there on Hulu. This is season four installment. Again, this is an anthology. And I was actually excited about Fargo this year. And and I watched the first two episodes. So we both watched this. Namely because we've got a different thing happening. I am a huge fan of, I don't know what it is about, like gangster. Yeah, just the old gangster kind of movies. Not not necessarily the 70s and Godfather, but even older than that. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'll let you, I'll give a, I'll just throw in my little spices here and there, but we, we definitely have um, something happening here. I'm not yes. quite sure. What. <laughs> and it has echoes of, of season two where Bo King Woodbine was in that season. And he was from the Kansas city crime family. So like they do little nods here and there. Um, so there we go. And Bo King was uh, deservedly nominated for an Emmy for that performance. So if you didn't see season two, I would highly oh, recommend season okay. two of Fargo. It is, like the ref said, available on Hulu. So you can watch that. Oh, yeah. Let me let me tell you something about what his work for real. Okay. Um, now. Oh, you know what? When, mm-hmm. when you're done with this, why don't you rate the, rate the season Seasons. so we know? Because you could start anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you now, season two is my favorite. Um, season four okay. is still going. <laughs> season four is still going on. Seasons one and three were fine. Um, they're probably about the same, in my opinion. Uneven to me. Fine. Uh, critics love it. No, I'm sorry. Uh, now, season four. We're in 1950. We're in Kansas City. Yes, we are. And at the very beginning, we have an interesting narrator. And she is a black girl. And we're like, why is she telling the story? Now she's in school. She's doing a report. And <laughs> at school, you know, she's smart and black in 1950. That's not a good mix. Okay. So they have to discipline her. I'll put it that way. Now she's telling us this story of really crime families in the town. Uh, They start with a a Jewish crime family that leads to an Italian one, which then leads to a black one. And that's where we are now. And the black one, the head of it is played by Chris Rock. Mm -hmm. And his name is Lloyd Cannon. Now, the names of these people are enough to watch this because one of my favorite names. And I told my brother, Raph, after the first episode, I said, watch the first episode. And then we'll talk about it. Don't watch the second because I hadn't gotten to it yet. Watch the first one. And there is Dr. Senator, one of yes. the best names ever, played by Glenn Terman. Yes, Colonel Taylor we love, from a different world. We yes, he was in Gremlins. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness, the guy that's what you. <laughs> and let me tell you, oh. these two want to start something very important monetarily because they have their own bank for black people. Oh yeah. They have a new idea. It's called a credit card. And they take this this to a white bank. What does the white bank want to do? 
why are they going to the White Bank, right? Now, they're there and they have this uneasy partnership or agreement with the Italian crime family. And this crime family, I mean, like the, the cast here is littered with people you either know by name or you know by sight. So these sure. people, um, well, I won't tell you exactly what happens, but the head of this crime, the Italian crime family, he has a problem that happens. And the result of this problem is <laughs> he the has- The pre-problem is even more hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he has two sons who's going to head the organization. Now, one of the sons is in Italy. The other is in the States, in Kansas City, played by Jason Schwartzman. Yes, Jason what? Schwartzman. Uh-huh. Now, if you don't know, Jason Schwartzman is in the Coppola family. So if you didn't know, he is. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he is playing who you would expect Jason to play. Okay, that yes. kind of character. <laughs> and his brother, of course, comes over from Italy. And we find out that he is old boy from Gamora. I know. I was like, oh, okay. And the actor is Salvatore Esposito, who plays Jenny in Gamora. So how they brothers? <laughs> and he comes over and does what you expect right. him to do. So he's not really into, you know, being in, you know, agreements with other crime families and all this other stuff, especially not with black ones. Now, the interesting thing is also, remember, there was, it started with Jewish crime family, then Italians, then black people. So these are people who aren't accepted by white society. So that's a comment that's happening throughout as well. Now for the, the girl who's narrating the story, her family is very interesting. I won't give it away, but they do own a funeral parlor. And one person takes care of funerals for whites, another takes care of them for blacks. Why? You'll see why. And why is she telling this story? What does her family have to do with what's going on here? You'll see that. And I'll tell you, uh, I guess a neighbor of theirs is a nurse. Mm. Is mm. she a nurse <laughs> ratchet person? What kind of nurse is this? I was scared to say she should, she's in the wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> now, there is a certain doctor who is very famous. I won't give away his full name. When you see it, you'll know she's just like him, but maybe a little more insidious. And she's played by Jesse Buckley. Now, do, should I say more about this? I think that's good enough, Ref. Yes. <laughs> well, because there's so much we'll going just on, say I want to give it away. Yeah. There, there is, and there's a lot that happens between episode one and two. So if you if you go to episode one, you're like, oh, okay, this is kind of, just wait till episode two and then you, you'll figure things out. I just have this comment about um, Fargo. I will continue to watch it, but there was something that was lost between episode one and episode two. Yes. We get this amazing narration from this girl and she's giving us all this insight and there was a pacing. There was a movement. There was excitement. I'm learning about these people and what they're doing and it's feels good and it feels right and then it stops in the middle of episode one and then episode two we don't hear from her again and we're introduced to a slew of other people you know a sister who we won't talk about whose sister it is but how she came to be you know yes storyline a sister and a friend so a sister <laughs> A sister and a friend, and 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 then you you know you end episode two trying to figure out what's going on here, 
And uh, as of taping, we haven't seen the, the next episode. So I will say right now for me, Fargo is a mixed bag. My favorite parts are between whenever Chris Rock and Dr. Sen- Senator oh. are on screen. I like that storyline much better. There's more fervency and there's more at stake happening. The Italian storyline is basically, you know, what you would see as the critic reference. You've got these, you've got a situation with the father and these two brothers and they are, you know, at odds. Okay, that's yeah. that's a normal storyline. And this other storyline with the um, Jesse Buckley nurse, I'm not for sure what's happening here. It's very, <laughs> very strange. But then that could also be the world of Fargo. So if I were you, a person who's not a Fargo head, meaning I haven't seen all of everything, I will say stick it out to episode two to see if it's for you. Maybe even try episode three. We don't know. We'll see. Um, but for me, it's a mixed bag. It's it's I, I'm in, I'm out. It's this pacing is so slow at this point. Yeah, I come you. That's exactly what I was going to say. And this is the thing about Fargo, the series at large. It lulls. Then this is the thing about the, the developer creator here, Noah Hawley. Noah Hawley is brilliant at visual and aesthetic setting a, a whole world. Brilliant. His problem is pace. Yeah. When it's moving, it's so good. The like you said, the yeah. first half of episode one stands the test of time. When how you start a show. Oh yeah. It's exciting. You're going, oh my goodness. And then the air gets out of the balloon. It's like, come on, keep it moving. Keep it moving. We do not need to sit here. And that's what happens in season one. That's what happens in season three. Not so much season two, which is why it's my favorite. We'll see overall what happens in this season, season four. Um, All the things you said, Ref, are the hallmarks of Fargo. You, You never know what's coming next. There's always something happening. In the end, it'll all tie together. So the nurse, you'll see really what's going on eventually if you stick it out. I do wanna say though, that I'm so interested in it, even though it does have the pacing issues. Like you said, look, just Dr. Senator Glenn Turman, just watch him. <laughs> and Chris also Rock is talking. Yes. Also, the, the interesting part is there's something special or very there's a huge sacrifice. If you are joining forces as two gangs, you have to sacrifice greatly the most important sacrifice in order to make peace. And the question is, how is that going to play out? I thought that was interesting, especially when you, when you have um, a previous sacrifice, shall we say that was made, that's a part of the team. You know, what's, what's that about? Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, I agree with you. Thank you for that review. It'll help us. One more thing though. I do want to say, okay. It's um, just the, the cast as well. I do want to point out the, I mean, these are some really good people here. And I will say that Chris Rock, cause I was like Chris Rock and Fargo. I think he's doing a pretty good job. No, he's I mean, doing a he's, great job. He's yeah. in the company, uh, not only of the actors we talked about, but many others, one of whom I'll mention. And then of course we can move on. It's Ben Wishaw's character who's in the Italian crime family, but he's not Italian. Ben Wishaw. Yeah, he's one of the saying. very yeah. best actors out there. If you know his work, you will not recognize the character he's playing here. So that's another thing to consider if you're going to watch season four. Moving on to Britannia, that is coming back to us. Epics. This is season um, two, and they've already they've already got Epics has no problem 
they don't have any problem going, hey, look, this is coming back. I don't care what y'all think. So <laughs> oh, I'm, not, I'm not mad at Epic. They know what they know. And um, you, you stuck with this show. It's been a, I, when you first talked about it, I was like, oh, okay, all right, well, that's fine, I guess. And then now you're back for season two, which I um, am curious to see what's going on here. Yes. So, oh, you know what? I mentioned before, Ref, that this was somewhere in between Vikings and C on Apple TV. Yes. And the more you watch it, the more it's like C. Now, it's Vikings, the Floki, Sea Earth stuff as well. That's really where it lives. So after season one, in season two, we're right after what happened in season one. Um, we have this character played by David Morrissey, who was um, one of the villains in The Walking Dead, uh, playing Plautius, <laughs> this general from Rome. He is brutal. He is the one who's pushing them into Britannia, which we know is Great Britain pushing them in there. They've gone there before. It didn't succeed. He is determined that it will succeed. And the way it will succeed is he will kill their gods. That's how you do it. But over the course of season one, we see he is revealed and he figures out certain things that, is he like the devil? That's the question. He even calls himself that. And the spiritual leaders in Britannia are the Druids. So this is all magic and all kinds of stuff like that. And in season two, the Druids have gone into hiding. Where have they gone? The tribes in Britannia need their guidance. They're nowhere to be found. So these tribes after season one are in a very very bad position because they really aren't in a position to fight back, which they tried in season one. Now the question is, do they want to submit to Rome and pay the taxes? Mm. That's the question. And the Druids, the head Druid, who's called the second man, We see where they are out in isolation. And he has a revelation in episode one. Is it a good one? And this revelation makes him not be so honest with his fellow Druids. What? So is that going to cause dissension? Because another Druid saw a sign that wasn't good. He wasn't honest about it. Hmm. Now, why is he being so guarded? Well, you'll see when you get to episode one of this season, it makes perfect sense. Now, there is an exiled druid as well, who is possessed by a demon. So he's off his rocker. However, he is guiding the person who is possibly going to save Britannia from Rome. This is the only way, based on myth. It's a young girl. She's not protected. She doesn't even know what who she's supposed to be. So these druids are like, we let her go in the hands of this maniac. And the question is, do the Romans know about her? In particular, does Plautius, is he coming after her? We also see in the first episode of season two, some of the backstory for Plautius. Now keep in mind, this is set in the year 43 AD. I'll tell you this, they show us a scene 10 years prior. If you know your history, religious history, you know what that means. What was Plautius doing 10 years prior? And his uh, Lieutenant General, what were they doing? How does that lead into now? Hmm. Also, the emperor of Rome decides to show up in season two. What kind of emperor is he? What does Plautius think about him? You'll see that relationship. So my review is what I've said before. This is crazy. If you like crazy on TV, if you like Floki and the seer and Viking, if you like C, then this show is going to work for you. 
I'm entertained by that kind of stuff, the magic and just, you know, crazy characters and people going for it. This is more soap operatic than Filthy Rich. Okay? <laughs> so, I think for me it works. Is it perfect? No, but it doesn't need to be because it's this kind of show. And if you haven't delved into epics yet, you don't need it via your cable provider. If you have one, you can get it separately. You can do a trial. Um, remember, Get Shorty is on this. Uh, they have Deep State on epics. They have other shows you can check out as well. So if you haven't gone down the epics a wormhole uh, and you're interested in this, I would say do it. I don't know, Ref, whether the first season of Britannia is still on Amazon Prime as well. It might be. So you could check it out there first and then if you want to continue come to epics because season two forward will only be on epics so that's my recommendation well let's let's end this with two shows that are saying bye-bye for the season but they're coming back already renewed for season two both of these shows first let's deal with ted lasso which you talked about earlier um, it, this is on Apple TV Plus. It's already been renewed, like I said, after it's 10 episodes there. Um, remember, this was based on that, I want to say commercial of this <laughs> guy, but, but um, you'll go into that. Is you know, when Apple renews something for the second season, it really does, you know, there aren't a lot of TV shows that it hasn't renewed for the second season. So it thinks it's worth coming back and paying more money to see. Yeah, it, I, I believe it was their biggest premiere, actually, to date. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, so Ted Lasso is a coach. He's a college football coach here in the States. So American football. And he's hired across the pond to coach a football team, meaning soccer, what we call it here. Why? Now, the owner of this team, the new owner, is Rebecca Walton, or Welton, I should say, played by Hannah Waddingham. What is she up to? Because she got this team, the ownership, by divorcing her husband. And this team was his baby. So like I said early on when we reviewed this ref, it's like a major league thing. But it's major league with heart. Ted Lasso, he doesn't know anything about soccer or football, whatever you want to call it. But he's a good guy. He wants the best for his his uh, players. He has an assistant coach who supports him, who knows something about soccer, tries to help him out, okay? So we have that. We have all of the different players. We have all of their different personalities. We have the one player who's the team captain, but he's old. And then we have the young whippersnapper who thinks, okay, they win because of me. What's the clash there? We have this whole relationship between the young whippersnapper and his girlfriend, who's a model and, and famous and all of that. But she's a really good person. So why is she with him? Also, is she going to be with someone else? We know Ted has left the States and gone across the pond. Why did he accept this? What's going on? He has a wife and kid. What's happening there? So you have all of this stuff happening underneath the surface. But on top of it is this sunny disposition. It's really a positive show. So even when you see that, oh, people are up to no good, will that last in the end? So at the end of season one, what's happened? The owner of this team, is she still really an antagonist here? Or has she gotten over what's going on with her ex-husband? She has this guy who is working with her and is kind of subordinate to her at all ways. But does he come to the fore? There's also uh, a, a guy who works for the team. It's kind of like their equipment manager. 
but he has good ideas. What does Ted see in him? So it's that kind of show. And I'll say, if you want something that's warmer in this sports context, a warmer version of Major League, then this will work. It's not completely consistent um, throughout the season. There are some lulls, but I was always willing to go with these people, mainly because I like the character of Ted Lasso. I like the positive spin on him. And I certainly think that no one can do it better than Jason Sudeikis. Well, there you go with that. Let's end it with Raised by Wolves Mm-mm. on HBO Max. Mm-mm. Now, it's I have not seen season one finale, so I'm, I'm you don't like, even know. You don't even. I just know. I don't even know what to do. I don't know if it's a mute. I don't know if you just take, just leave the room and let you talk, and <laughs> you can text me when you're done talking. I won't give because away. the thing about it is for me, for me, during this summer pandemic, the pandemic we're in for summer, this has been one of my go-to shows. Like I have watched it. And been thoroughly confused and entertained. It raises more questions than answers. But for some weird reason, Mm. I'm going along for the ride. I I don't like to be spinning out of control. But I trust these people for some weird reason. And when I tell you weird, I mean weird. Remember, this is coming to us from the um, world of Ridley Scott, meaning... He directed the pilot and is an EP on the show. You're dealing with other planets and aliens and human interactions. What is human? Who is more human? What happens if a non-human is wired to do human things? Mm. (laughs) And what do you have to do to keep that thing happening? (laughs) Keep going and going? I, listen, it's all strange. What are we? What, what's going on here? I, I'm not sure. I may plug my ears. Yeah, and it's very reminiscent of the Alien saga. Ridley Scott again is involved. It's very much like that. Um, so we have two androids, father and mother. Father played by Abu Bakar Salim, mother played by Amanda Collin. And I, let me tell you something about the both both of them. They have, this is some of the most consistent work I have ever seen. I mean, they, I never see humans. Seriously. It is brilliant. So kudos to them. She's, yeah. Yeah. She is like (laughs) crazy. And I do love, because they're dynamic, everyone. Mother, really, traditionally, you could flip their names. Traditionally. Mother is the one you need to watch out for. Mother is the one who will kill you father is the nurturer the guy he's going to tell jokes even though nobody laughs so that's the whole thing but why that's what we start to see how were they programmed how is this possible also the whole point of them is there is a a civil war an apocalypse that breaks out on earth got to get off of the planet the losing side has father and mother take their remaining embryos to this new planet to raise them and continue humanity. But the winning side is coming. It just takes them much longer to get to the same planet. And the winning side is really uh, embodied by Travis Fimmel's character, Marcus slash Caleb. Now, why does he have two names? You'll see. You'll see. So what's going on with him and his wife? They have secrets. Now, the kids are the future, right? So the other sides, they have their own kids as well. 
So when they come to this planet, what's the clash going to be? Especially from mother. How is she going to take these people? How are they going to take her? How do humans interact with androids, even advanced ones? How do androids interact with humans? What does it mean? What is the difference between an android and a human really if the android can have feelings or mimic them, if the android can have memories or mimic them, if the android can predict what will come next? Also on this alien planet, what are the other presences there? That's the question. So is the only conflict between these two factions that were warring on Earth and now coming to this new planet Or is there more to the story? Also, there are artifacts on this planet. I won't tell you what they are that have effects. And one of these major artifacts has an effect on Travis Fimmel's character. What happens to him psychologically, okay? So at the end of season one, just know this. Mother is able to do something that you wouldn't expect an android to be able to do. Why? Mother has been doing something she was warned not to do in order to get answers to things, which leads to this special ability. What does that mean? And in the end, what comes forth is so disgusting that I almost had to close my eyes. I will tell you that. My brother and I were squirming and we are alien heads. It was alien level, okay? And at the end, you are disgusted. You don't even know what you want to see next. Season two is coming. Oh my goodness. Do I even want to watch it? Help me, somebody. Do you have answers to anything at the end of season one? No. Oh. No answers. If you were confused by Prometheus, you will be confused here. Okay? So just get ready. You know how I feel. You know how I feel about that. Now they have a season two. So... Where are they going to go? Also, the question is, who's left standing at the end of season one? Who is actually left standing? Who's on what side as well? What's going on there? It is a big old mess. They threw a bomb at the end of this season. It's up to you, listeners, to know whether this is your kind of thing. As I mentioned before, if you are a fan of the entire Alien saga, so the latest ones, I would say check it out. If you are hesitant about those, you should be hesitant here. That's what I'll say. It is talking about some very interesting things just as Alien does about really what does it mean to be human? That's what it comes down to. But this has horror, suspense, and just strange sci-fi going all through its veins. So we'll see what happens next. Oh my goodness. I don't even know what to say after that, everybody. Sorry. Well, and it also has Travis. (laughs) Travis Pimmel doing what Travis Pimmel. You wait till you see where he ends up, ref. I mean, all of the Ragnarok, oh, you know, looks and we don't even know. <laughs> he doesn't even, whatever reality is for him, we don't know what that is, what that means for us. Watching it, it's like, what is he even seeing? What's really there? We don't know. He doesn't know. Again, it just ends with a big old question mark or a series of question marks. Well, there you have it. That's fall TV for you. That's plenty, I'd say. Yeah. And uh, again, you can check all of this stuff out. Most of this will be available on different streaming platforms. Again, there are always little special trials that you can do, or you can pick and choose, cherry pick, maybe a month here or there. And then also, if your you know, broadcast is rearing its head, it's trying to do what it does, all to say, 
there's a lot going on in the world right now. I mean, literally, as of taping, the last seven days have been quite crazy. So we would not blame you if you decided to escape, (laughs) even for just a moment. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.